Likutei Sicha Yitzchelek Yudches, Volume 18, the second Sicha for Parshas Devarim. In this Sicha we will learn and we will come to appreciate the uniqueness of this Chumash, this fifth book of the Torah which we're now beginning, and also its contrast to the other four, the previous four books, Bereshis, Shmos, Vayikra, and Bamidbar. Also, we'll learn an, uh, an amazing lesson of how it applies to our day-to-day uh, -day life, uh, especially our service to Hashem, and also how it relates to our era, uh, namely the time in which we're in now, in our uh, preparation, anticipation of the coming of Mashiach. Before we begin, I think it would be worthwhile to just familiarize ourselves with a machlokas, with a debate that appears in the Talmud uh, regarding uh, matters of juxtaposition of the position of various parshiot in the Torah. That means we find many times that there seems to be a succession of parshiot, one after another after another, various topics that happen to come in close proximity to one another. And there's a debate whether that has any bearing, meaning whether one can learn from it something, whether one can deduce from it something. One opinion says absolutely, because everything has a specific reason. The other says no, it's just it's like almost like happenstance, or perhaps, as we'll understand later in the Sicha, we do not have the ability to really understand that, understand that it's something beyond our grasp. Let's get into the Sicha. In our Parsha, in chapter 1, verse 3, the third uh, Pasuk, of our of our parsha, it says, "quote It was in the fortieth year, and it gives us the exact date." And then it says, "Diber Moshe Kol Yisrael." Moshe spoke to all the Jewish people, and this begins the narrative of this entire book of the Torah, in which we barely, or hardly, if not almost not at all, find that famous verse, "quote Hashem spoke to Moshe, God said to Moshe, saying," because. This is all the words of Moshe, Diber Moshe, Moshe spoke. He said to the Jewish people this entire book of the Torah. So in explaining this, there's two approaches from two of the primary Pashtone Hamikra. Pashtone Hamikra means those who offer the Pshat commentary to the Psukim. Pshat meaning the basic, simple uh, interpretation of the verses. One of them we're very familiar with, Rashi, of course. Rashi says that what does it mean it was the Moshe spoke? It was the words of Moshe, it was the words of Tochecha. Moshe offered them words of reproof. In fact, like Rashi explains, so why did he say it all now? Quote, because he didn't want to do it until close to his passing. However, there's another Pashtun, there is another commentary on the Pasuk that also uh, approaches the interpretation of the verses from a Pshat perspective, shot meaning the simple basic meaning, and that is the Sforno. And the Sforno says that what is this book all about? This book is all about where Hechzir Lahem is called Torah Kula Ad Bichlal. That he went over the entire Torah. Moshe basically reviewed, repeated everything that's been taught, everything that's been experienced until now. Now it's obvious, says the Rebbe, that these two interpretations, these two commentaries are not in contradiction to one another. Because really you cannot argue with a fact. If you look in the entire book, that is the fifth book of the Torah, you will find throughout that there are both. There, is, there are many uh, points of reproof. And then there is also many points of repetition, going over, reminding them what they saw, what they experienced, what they learned in the past 40 years. 
So it's not a matter of arguing with the fact. You can't argue with the fact. Rather, this Chumash, this book of the Torah contains both. It's just that the difference between Rashi and the Sforno is which of these two is the main gist of this book, is the main point of this book. Rashi says it's this and the Sforno says it's that. But as far as, says the Rebbe, as far as we're concerned, what we can say is that because it says, quote, Diber Moshe, Moshe spoke, he spoke all of these words, that means in this entire book, we have both of these aspects. We have, from the one hand, we have that idea, the aspect of reproof, whatever that means. And then we have the aspect of the repetition of the Torah, meaning coming as something which has already been said before and it's being said over again. In order to understand this, says the Rebbe, let's first take a moment to really appreciate the essence, the point of this fifth book of the Torah. So we'll begin with the Talmud. The Talmud says that the difference between the four first books of the Torah and the latter one is that the four books of the Torah, Mipiha Gvura Amoran, Moshe said it, quote, directly from the mouth of Hashem. That means he said it directly from Hashem. Versus the fifth book of the Torah, the book of Devarim, says the Talmud, Moshe Mipi Atzmo Amoram. Moshe said it on his, from himself, so to speak. Now, of course, says the Rebbe, we can understand that we cannot, God forbid, say that Moshe said it literally on his own from himself. Because in that case, then it's not divine. How is it part of the five books of the Torah? But rather, he says, like Rashi emphasizes over there in the Talmud, that it's like, it's like he said it from himself, meaning Hashem said it to him first, and then later, Moshe repeated it verbatim as it was told to him. Or to put it in better perspective, like Tosfus, um, the commentary, uh, another commentary on the Talmud, points out, he says that this, is done, this was done alpi ruach HaKodesh, by divine spirit. That means Moshe was divinely charged to say those words. So it looks like it's coming from him, but it's really coming from divine. And where do we see an example for this? And we actually recite it every day in the Shema. In the sep- second paragraph of Shema, what do we say? We say, I will give the feed for your animals and I will make it rain and so on. I will give rain. Who said those words? That appears in this book of the Torah. Moshe said those words. Is Moshe the one who provides rain? No, obviously what Moshe was saying was Hashem's words. He was speaking, so to speak, for Hashem. So the question then becomes, if that's the case, so there is really no difference between the first four books and the fifth book of the Torah. It seems that there is no difference whatsoever because the Talmud makes a distinction, but here the way we explain it, there doesn't seem to be a a distinction. Furthermore, we know that also in practical application, there is a difference between the first four books and the fifth book. In other words, not just in a theoretical, idealistic uh, way of explaining it, but in fact, as we apply it practically, where do we see that? In the debate that I mentioned in the introduction, the Talmud concludes that, quote, even according to the opinion that we normally do not consider and therefore do not deduce anything from a juxtaposition of two different topics in the Torah. However, in the book of Devarim, 
in this book, because, quote, Moshe said it from himself, then there is a reason, there is a calculated reason for the order and for how things appear, and therefore even he would concur that indeed you could learn something from him. But the question is, if, the, if he said it from divine inspiration, like Tosfa says, or like Rashi says, Hashem said it to him, and he just merely repeated it, then how does that play a role, and how does this change the opinion of that one that normally does not agree with this idea? Says the Rebbe, the answer is, is as follows. There's another saying of the sages which will shed light on this. And that is, the sages tell us, quote, that the Torah preceded the world, precedes the world by 2,000 years. Now it's obvious and clear that it doesn't mean a quantitative 2,000 years because in fact, time hasn't even been created yet. In other words, time was created right in the beginning of creation or according to some opinions right before it, right before, quote, the first day of creation. But certainly not 2,000 years before. There was no such thing as time. So what then does it mean? So it's obvious that what it means is quality, in quality, in spirituality, in level. The Torah is so above and beyond this universe that we know. And that's what the sages are saying. The Torah is so much greater than this world. And then, of course, the question is, if that's the case, then how then does the Torah become connected to the world? How does it become absorbed in the world if it's beyond the capacity of the world? The answer for that is, just like in the case whenever you have two, either two opposites or two uh, dynamics that are totally separate from one another, what do you do? You have a agent, the third agent, which is able to connect and bring the two together. In this case, the intermediary is Moshe. You see, because Moshe also possessed two extremes. In the one hand, what do we find? As Moshe said to the Jewish people once, ma, quote, and what are we? Meaning we are but nothing. In other words, Moshe was the epitome of connection to Hashem. And therefore he did not so to speak, feel himself as a separate entity, as an entity in himself. He was totally null and void, so to speak. He was totally subservient to Hashem. Yet on the other hand, in other words, he wasn't a being at all in that sense. But yet on the other hand, he was the ultimate being, both in strength, in might, in, 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 in um, financial means. In fact, to give you an example, the sages tell us that Moshe was so quote, complete, he was the ultimate being, that even in height, even in his body build, he was 10 amos high, 10 cubit feet high, which is, practically speaking, about 16, 17 feet tall. That's how he was built. He was so mighty and powerful. Besides his wisdom and so on. So you understand that on the one hand, he was the ultimate spiritual being, and the other hand, he was ultimate material being. So since he possessed these two opposites, he was able to bring, he was able to fuse the two. The Torah, which is beyond the world, is so spiritual, is beyond any connection to the world, and the world, which is such a physical, material place. Now, when we speak about an intermediary, let's analyze for a moment. There's two ways to look at it. When you have an intermediary, you can look at it, in, in other words, what is the function of an intermediary? There's two types of intermediaries. There's one that basically functions in a manner of what we call a miver, passing through, like a conduit, 
okay? That the matter that you're connecting just merely passes through it. Think of a pipe, okay? Think of, and this is my own example, the Rebbe doesn't bring this example, think of somebody speaking into a microphone. Yes, that is the conduit to broadcast it, to make it loud or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, Whatever words you put into that microphone, whatever words you put into that apparatus, if it's a microphone or a phone or whatever it is, is going to come out on the other end exactly. It's going to come out electronically, but it's going to be the same words that you said. However, there is also another type of intermediary that the matter gets absorbed in the intermediary and from there it gets later transferred or it gets later, so to speak, as as if to say, reproduced and comes out. It is the same thing, but it went through the process of the intermediary. And then if I give you that example is when somebody is repeating what somebody else said. Meaning, you tell me something, I process it in my mind, and even if I have such a great memory that I can repeat it verbatim, exactly, even with the nuances and with the sounds and with the gestures that you gave it to me, but still at the end of the day, where is it coming from now? It came to me. First it comes in, it gets absorbed in my mind, it gets absorbed in me, and then later I give it over. And this is the difference, perhaps, between the first four books of the Torah and the fifth book. The first four books of the Torah and the fifth book were both divinely inspired, as we said, right? We're given by to Moshe. And remember the question was then what's the difference? Well, here's the difference. The first four books of the Torah, Moshe served as an intermediary where he was literally like just passing through him. He was like that pipe, like that microphone where Hashem just spoke into him and through him the words that came out. As it says, Moshe, so to speak, his, Hashem spoke through his voice box, through his mouth whereas the fifth book whereas the fifth book first went through the process of getting absorbed in Moshe's mind in Moshe's intellect and then later Moshe repeated it exactly verbatim as he received it but still it now has that uh, call it advantage or that status of having gone through Moshe's process. Now we can understand why the opinion that normally does not consider understanding and, and, and deducing anything from a juxtaposition, yet in this case of the fifth book of the Torah would. It's not saying that there is never a reason. There is always a reason why Hashem chose to put this near that, near that, near that, and the, the, the close proximity from one topic to another definitely has some reason. It's just what he's saying is, in the first four books of the Torah, since it's beyond, it's beyond even the intellect of Moshe, so to speak. It did never process through the intellect of Moshe. Therefore, whatever reason there may be, is so divine that it's not in our grasp. It's not in our ability to understand. Versus the fifth book, since Hashem made it, that it goes through first the process of Moshe's intellect, then it comes to us, so it tells us that it's not that Moshe decided what comes first and what comes second. It's that since it already, so to speak, it, the transfer to us came through Moshe's intellect, since it went through and it starts at intellect, therefore we may have the ability to understand, to deduce from it something, as it is already now, so to speak, have been put in our realm. In our realm. Now that we know this, 
In other words, we know what it is. The question is still why. In other words, we now know what is the difference between the four first books of the Torah and the fifth. But why? Why did Hashem make it so that the fifth book of the Torah seems to be less than the first four books, right? We seems to be saying that the first four books of the Torah are so pure, right? Are so pure that they're just directly coming from Hashem, whereas the fifth book of the Torah seems to have already less of a purity. It seems to be a step down. And it seems to be less than. Says the Rebbe, the answer, the explanation to it is as follows. You see, when you have any form of inspiration, any form of, like in this case, of teaching, of, of hashpa, that only comes through in a manner of passing through, meaning like we said, you comes through like as if going through a conduit, it never gets fully absorbed. Because it never really connects, because it just it remains aloof from the world. In this case, the first four, four books of the Torah, if that was the only thing that we would receive, we would never have had the ability to understand Torah. In other words, it would have been abstract. It would have been beyond our grasp, our reach. However, once Hashem gave us at least part of the Torah, in such a manner that it comes through first an absorption, at, albeit in someone as great as Moshe. But still, he's a human being at the end of the day. As great as he was, as spiritual as he was, he was still a human being. Once that process came through him, it now creates the ability that the entire Torah could be in this, understood, even the first four books, which initially have been uh, transmitted to us in a manner of abstractness, Right, where you didn't get absorbed, it was just kind of aloof and superficial. But now that we have at least one component of the Torah, which is part of this whole, part of the five books of the Torah, which is one Torah, now it gives us, it provides that agent of ability for us to be able to relate to and grasp and understand the the uh, the Torah. But the question still is, how is it possible? If we said the Torah is way, way, way beyond this world, like we said, 2,000 years, whatever that means, spiritual years, levels beyond the world, how does it connect to the, to, to the world? In other words, we understand that Hashem did it, but we're, how does this happen? Where is that cohesive agent that brings it together? How does something so abstract become connected to the world? So the Rebbe explains that this is because this last book of the Torah comes directly from Atzmus, in Hasidic terms, which means directly from the ultimate essence of Hashem. You see, when we say that the four books of the Torah came from the mouth of Hashem, they came directly from Hashem, you know, there's different levels of manifestation of the revelation of God's energy, light, as we call it in Kabbalistic terms. And there's always, as there is a revelation, there's always the reality that still there's the revelation of godliness and then there is the physical material world. Since they are two separate things, so that revelation can only go that far. In other words, once there is a revelation of godliness, it already has some air of limitation the fact that there is a contraction of godliness and it gets transferred it gets transmitted 
to a low to a level lower than itself tells us that it was contracted and it has some relation to that however it doesn't get fully absorbed because there's still two separate things this is spiritual and this is material so no matter how much there is a revelation there is also a disconnect at some level whereas when something comes directly from the essence of the divine not from a manifestation of the divine since it comes from the essence of Hashem, the essence of Hashem is beyond any whatsoever limitation, even beyond the limitation of spirituality, so to speak. Meaning, it's beyond being considered spiritual and not material, or not. It's beyond that, and therefore, for the essence of Hashem, spiritual material is all the same thing, and therefore, it can absolutely work on connecting the two. And that's exactly what's explained, as the Ramban explains, Nachmanides. That if you look at the first books of the Torah, it always speaks in third person. In other words, it's like, like, like connecting two entities. It always says, Hashem spoke to Moshe. It's speaking in third person. That's how the narrative always is. Why? What do you see from that? That at the end of the day, you have Hashem and you have Moshe. You understand? And it, the, the idea, the power of the Torah is that it can bring these two things, Hashem and Moshe, who's a human being, who's you know in the material world, and connect it together, conjoin it together through the speech. But at the end of the day, they still are two separate things. But over here, that Moshe spoke the word of Hashem, meaning it reached, it tapped in to such a high level, to the essence of godliness, in which there is no conflict between spiritual and material, and therefore this book actually comes out to be greater, and therefore it has a much far-reaching effect. In other words, typically we assume that when something is, seems to be so spiritual, so divine, that's greater. No, that's telling you that it's greater because it couldn't really fully absorb, it couldn't really fully connect to the material. When something connects to the material world, to the physical world, that much more, that's an indicator that it comes from a greater, higher source that has such, so to speak, greater spiritual powers to be able to, to override, so to speak, the differences that would normally be between the spiritual and the material. Now, a good example for this in our lives is when it comes, let's say, for example, to the, in the service of Hashem, to the very, very important mitzvah of teshuvah. What is Teshuvah? Somebody went astray. Somebody was very distant from Hashem. And suddenly they have an awakening. They have an, a, a, a great arousal to get connected to Hashem. And that triggers in them a deep sense of remorse for the past and a deep desire to get, you know, get with the program and to become so connected to Hashem. And in fact, we know that a Baal Shuvah is even greater than a Tzaddik. Now, where does this come from? Well, it seems, and it looks like, and, and so it is, that it comes from the person. The trigger, that, that, that inspiration, has to come from the person. It cannot come from all the various spiritual levels, because he's not getting any spiritual inspiration, because he's distant from Hashem. He is disconnected from Hashem all this time. So it's coming from the person. But on the other hand, we know that there is no such thing, there's a rule, there's no such thing as an inspiration without coming from Hashem. There's no such thing as a spiritual inspiration that doesn't come from Hashem. So how can we reconcile the two? The answer is exactly what we said with the fifth book. On the one hand, it seems to come from the person. It looks like it's coming from the person. But on the other hand, deep, deep, deep down, 
How was this person able to get an inspiration? How was he able to get a subliminal trigger to even have this inspiration that looks to be on his own? Because it came from such a high level, from what we call the concealed essence of Hashem. That's the Kabbalistic term. From there, there is no protocol, so to speak. There is no uh, order of se- or sequence of, 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 uh, of levels and so on that it has to go through and manifest itself. This breaks through all barriers. And likewise, there's something very, very interesting that applies to our time. I, I'm sorry, and this can help us understand the connection between the two. Remember we said the two different opinions of what this, what this book of the Torah is all about. Here's we see how they come together. The idea of tochecha, the idea of reproof, is all about triggering a tshuva in somebody. On the other hand, the idea of repetition, where it's being said over, which it seems to be being said over as if he's saying it from himself, is the aspect of it looks like the person himself is doing it. So it's coming from Hashem, but it's so hidden that it looks like it's coming from the person. Now we'll go to something that applies to our days, to our times, when we're preparing for Mashiach, and we have the revelation of Hasidus. We have the revelation of the Hasidic teachings, and more specific, most specifically, Hasidus Chabad. Chabad, which is founded on and elaborately pushes the idea and the point of absorbing it and becoming one with our intellect, our understanding, our wisdom. Meaning that the person has to connect with it. The person has to understand it, even on a human level. So on that, from that perspective, it may seem like that it's something less than because it kind of like descends to us. It becomes part of us. And this is our preparation for Mashiach. But on the other hand, says the Rebbe, and this is the parallel to what we were discussing in, in regards to the fifth book of the Torah, it maintains its holiness, its spirituality. That means... As much as it becomes part of the person's understanding and the person's wisdom, the Hasidus is so holy and so pure because it comes from such a high source that it never ceases to be pure and holy as it's in the original state before it entered the person's mind. So here we see the wrap of how that parallels. And just like when they were about to enter Eretz Yisrael, they were about to go and conquer the land and begin the process of transforming it into a holiness, into a holy place. Later build the temple, the Beis Amikdash, the place where Hashem would dwell. And therefore they had the preparation for it of the Mishnah Torah, of the repetition of the Torah, which is the fifth book of the Torah. Likewise, we have our preparation for the coming of Mashiach, which is the study of Hasidus, which is parallel to that, has the same basic aspects.